We all face challenges, we all face trials, uh, we all face moments of um, just desperation in our lives. And it's during these difficult times that we're, we're in, we usually find ourselves crying out to God. And because we're waiting for that miracle to happen, we're waiting for a breakthrough, we're wa waiting for a solution um, to, to just come into that situation and to change it. We want our circumstances changed. And so it's during these moments uh, in trials that we find ourselves waiting. <laughs> and so our faith begins to be tested, and so does our endurance, our patience, everything that comes with waiting, and it, especially when it comes to our bodies, because we want an instant miracle. <laughs> and so the title of what I'm going to teach today is Waiting on my miracle. Webster defines waiting as to stay where one is or delay action until a particular time or to remain stationary in readiness and expectation. I love that one. So it's to remain stationary in readiness or expectation. To be ready, available, and hidden or concealed position. And so waiting is one of the hardest things I think that we do. And I'll tell you what, someone had gotten this for me and I was like, yep, that's me. And it basically says, I had my patience tested. I'm negative. And so, and so according to Timex survey, they say Americans spend 32 <coughs> minutes whenever they visit a doctor. They spend 28 minutes in security lines whenever they travel, 21 minutes for their significant other to get ready to go out. I think some of us take a little bit longer than that. <laughs> um, 13 hours annually waiting on hold for customer service. I definitely think that number's higher because I have, I have waited 45 minutes on, on hold. <clears throat> but about 37 billion hours we spend waiting in line somewhere. So in other words, we spend about six months out of our lives waiting for things. Isn't that unfathomable? I mean, six months of our lives we spend waiting for things. <coughs> six months a year? Six months of our entire lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Still, you think about it, that six months is a long time just to be waiting. Anymore, anyhow, so you mm -hmm. don't matter where you call anymore. You gotta wait. You gotta you wait. Right through. Gotta wait for the doctors. You gotta wait to get in. Yeah. Everything. So most of the time, we get impatient. How many of us get impatient? <laughs> but sometimes we also just we start trying to do things in our own strength, right? Like waiting for your husband to pick up that pair of jeans beside the, you know, clothes basket, and you're like, I should pick it up. No, I'm going to just wait and see if he does. Yeah, he never does. They never do. <laughs> you know, so sometimes we just give up, and so we begin to just take control of the situation. Well, then I'll just do it myself, kind of like your children too. Clean your room, and then they don't, and you end up going in and cleaning their rooms. So, um, there's other people that just sometimes just get so tired of the waiting and they lose up hope they lose hope 
and they just stop and they think that, uh, you know, their belief system is nothing is ever going to change my situation. And so their circumstances, they feel like they're always going to be stuck there. They, there's no way out. And so they lose hope. I want to encourage you that God is working in our waiting season. And so it's, it's hard to go through those times, but we have a promise. We know Romans 8.28 says, In all things, God works things together for good to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And so we're going to talk about a story in Mark 5, 21. So if you want to turn to Mark 5, 21. <clears throat> So Mark 5.21 says, When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, and she touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So verse 24 talks about a large crowd that began pressing around Jesus. We know that most of the time uh, when the multitudes, the feeding of the 5,000, there, there's, there's a ton of people that end up following him. And so have you ever been in a large crowd, maybe on Black Friday or an amusement park? Yeah, there's Disney, there is a lot of people. <coughs> and if you bring your kids, you always say, hold my hand, or a grandchild, hold my hand. I don't want you to get lost because when someone comes, they'll just come in between you and then you lose sight of that person. And so Jairus could have been pushed away by the crushing crowd because people were pressing in at Jesus from all sides. And Jairus was leading Jesus to his house. Okay, the miracle was on its way. 
but there's an interruption, okay? There's a delay. He's walking, but now Jesus stops and Jairus waits. So when you know he want you know he wanted to keep moving because he was in the situation where his daughter was on her deathbed and now Jesus stops because a person needed healing. And so you know that in his mind, he was probably like, we got to hurry, okay? I know I probably would have if that was my child. It's like, we got we to keep going. We, we, we don't have time for this. Even though you want that person to be healed, you tend to be a little selfish because of your need. So how many times do we feel like we're waiting on Jesus? You know, he's healing everybody else, but what about me? We always say, sometimes in counseling, it's not about me, it's not about me. But we always say, well, what about me? Why is everyone else getting this and I'm not? What about my miracle? So are you, again, with the, the definition, are you remaining in a place of readiness and expectation, even if you aren't seeing it manifested? Are you remaining hidden in Christ? Are you allowing other people to come around you and steal your faith? Because so many times, too, when we're praying, our praying sometimes becomes complaints because we're like, well, God, you healed Sally. You healed Joey. So it's almost more of a complaint. Well, God, you healed them. What about me? And so we have to be careful with that because the enemy wants to steal our faith. And even though there's an interruption or a delay, the enemy can use fear. He can use hopelessness. And, and all these things can press in on us and weigh us down. So we know the woman with the 12-year sickness, she reaches in. The attention's on her. Jesus takes time. He stops. He wants to know who touched him. So I'm assuming this probably was more like a 15-minute waiting period because she didn't come you know, right away. She waited and waited, but he felt the virtue flow from him. And notice in that verse too, when she came, he called her daughter. And I know I've talked about that before, but Jairus could at this moment have walked away. And again, maybe his thoughts were, it's, it's too late. <coughs> I know he's not gonna make it on time. What's the point? And he could have lost himself in the crowd just by giving up. But he chose to stay close to Jesus. When we're going through trials in our lives, again, the enemy wants to come in. He wants to put doubt. He wants to put hopelessness. He wants to put fear <laughs> into our minds just to get our focus off of Jesus and what he wants to do in our lives. He wants crowds of people of this world, the news of this world, to draw us away from the truth of his word and the promises of God's word. Because there's a lot of people, if, if you, hopefully you don't, <laughs> but there's people that, that can come into your lives and they're negative. They're always saying, you're still praying about that, you know? They can bring all this negativity and, and doubt in your mind. <clears throat> and so the enemy can use anyone to kind of do that to you. But we have to remember the truth of God's word, that he is for us. And we gotta remember nothing is impossible. 
And so Jairus just witnessed a daughter with a 12-year miracle cured. And so guess what? Jesus has another 12-year-old miracle that's waiting for his touch. And so verse 35 says, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and he says, Your daughter is dead. They said, Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He, didn't, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and he began to walk around. Again, she was 12 years old. They were completely astonished and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So while Jairus stood waiting, Jesus' compassion for Jairus was so evident. Even when the worst news came, when they said, don't bother the teacher anymore, it's too late. Jesus was still there. He knew what Jairus was thinking. He knew what was in his heart. Jairus didn't even have to say anything. Jesus just looked at him. He knew Jairus was on the verge of breaking and fear started gripping him. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe. So God knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what we're going through. We don't even have to say it. He knows. And, and it shows it right here. He knew that fear was gripping him. So he said, don't be afraid. Jairus didn't get what he was asking for. What he was asking for was healing. But what he got was resurrection of his daughter. And so, so many times when we're wanting something, God's going to give us greater expectation than we could even ask or think. And so we just got to trust him in the process. We have to trust him in our waiting because that's what he did for Jairus. So many times we have our lists of prayers we, and we hold real tight to them. You know, we hold firmly to them and he's asking us to let it go. And he says, now let it go and let your faith be strong because so many times we keep praying for the same thing over and over and over again and we got to get to the point where our faith is so built up we begin thanking god we don't have to pray for that situation anymore we have to get to the place where we say god you're going to do this you've already done it for me so let that faith arise we have to trust him we have to believe and we have to hold firmly to our faith we have to stay close to Jesus no matter how it appears. Just like Jair, it didn't matter. He still stayed close to Jesus. 
We got to stay close. We can't allow anyone to pull us away. We can't allow anybody to take us from the promise of God and what he's doing, doing for us. There's been many attacks in my body. And I know Sharon and with my granddaughter, Hadley. And it's, it's been a challenging season <laughs> that we have been in. And if I'm being completely honest, it's been rough. It's been rough. It's been rough. And I've asked many times, I said, why is this happening to me? I'm sure we've we've all, when you're in that situation, even with with things that you're dealing with, you're like, why is this happening to me? And um, I've I've tried to do a (laughs) self-check because we all say, okay, was it something I ate? You know, is it something that I'm doing wrong? What am I putting in my body? Am I, is, is because my blood sugar is high? Is this because of my diabetes? You know, so I began, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking about all this stuff and asking, asking myself, why is this happening? So I tried to reason everything. <clears throat> and is this diabetes related? Um, I don't know if many, I might just go ahead and, and tell you what, what I've been dealing with is uh, right after we got back from the cruise, I uh, got a sinus infection and then I started getting these real stabbing, I call them ice pick headaches, where it feels like just someone has taken an ice pick in your head. And it only lasts for anywhere between five seconds to 30 seconds, but then you get a, a brief reprise from it. And then it happens again. And so I would, I would get about 8 to 10 to 12 episodes a day of this constant, like what's going on. Um, then it switched to the ice pick headache to then I started getting shocks in my face. So it felt like someone was taking an electric prod and just taking it to my face. And I would get electric shock right in this area, just on one side of my face. And so, but it would always come with that, that ice pick headache. And now the shocks. Um, it got to the point where I would walk outside and the wind would hit me and immediately I would go into that shock. I would brush my teeth, I'd go into the shock. I would bite down on something, I would feel the shock. So then I stopped eating nuts, I stopped chewing on hard things. When I was on this side of my teeth brushing, I go really super slow. Uh, one time I was in the shower, water hit my face, instant, went into a shock. Came out of nowhere. Um, everybody kept saying, oh, you still have you know, a sinus infection. I'm like, this is not a sinus infection. <laughs> Listen to your bodies, <laughs> you know, and, and so, I finally ended up going to Pekin Hospital and uh, went, went to ER and they said they think that I have trigeminal, trigeminal neuralgia. Um, basically it's a blood vessel that is in my head and it's pressing against my nerve and it's sending the nerve into these, these spasms and headaches and things like that. So that's what they say I have. I know what God says. I'm healed. 
you know. So, so I am going to go and, you know, they gave me some medication. I'm, I'm taking that medication right now. Um, before when I was taking it, it still wasn't helping. Um, you know, I, I began praying. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you more about what I was doing. But, but I, I was so consumed with, have I done something to harm my body? Have I, have I done this? And so, and I think it's, it's okay that we sometimes look at that because, you know, especially people with diabetes, we can't really eat all those carbs and sugars. And, and well, now they're saying sugars isn't really the problem. Who knows? I'm telling you what. <clears throat> it doesn't... I'm telling you what. There's just so much with that. And, and, and that in itself is frustrating, you know, because I know Sharon's trying to get, you know, her, her husband's sugar down and... You know, and, and we all, it's like, you know, we're, we're trying to eat, to eat right. So I do think it's, it's good because, you know, people that say, well, I want to be healed from this. Well, we do need to watch what we're eating because we can help ourselves, you know. So anyway, but, but I was. I was looking for solutions. I was looking for advice. I was getting on Facebook. I was looking at a neuropathy group. I was, what is, you know, I was looking, I was so consumed with what can I do to get out of this pain? What, what's working for you, you know? And I became consumed and busy by it. And, and basically, we can drive ourselves crazy <laughs> looking at that stuff. And we're looking for answers that <clears throat> we might not ever get. And like Hadley, I mean, they kept saying things with her. She, uh, I noticed, when Ryan and Sarah went away for their, um, just for the weekend for their anniversary, and I was watching her, she had told me, she said, well, she had thrown up, uh, you know, and she throws up in the morning. I'm like, oh, great, I get to watch a sick kid. <laughs> you know, but, um, but I went ahead and took her, and when she was home, I just began praying over her, and she, for the two days she was at my house, she didn't get sick. And when they came back on that Sunday, um, she took probably about a three-hour nap, and so when Sarah, because Sarah came and she was crying, so Sarah, of course, went in and wanted her to see her mom first, and so she brought her out, and at that point, Brianna and I both said, she really looks pale. Um, she looked really white, um, and she's like, you know, Sarah joked, oh, it's just, that's our skin, that's us, and, and we're like, no, she really looks pale. And so uh, she took her home, of course, and then that next morning she woke up vomiting at her house. And I'm, she's like, did she? I said, no, she didn't vomit at my house at all. Um, woke up vomiting. She ended up taking her to the doctor. Um, they, she said, hey, you know, people are saying her color's off. And the doctor said, you know what, yeah, I think maybe her color is off. Let's take blood work. And so they did that, and they, um, her bilirubin was 59 very low so she was anemic so they immediately sent her to uh, the hospital children's hospital in Peoria and then of course the doctors have to come in and say you know this is she could have cancer she could have leukemia and Ryan all of a sudden he spoke and said that is the last time you're gonna say those words over my daughter and I thought good for you Ryan you know, because he's like, no, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You're not going to speak that over my, my daughter. And so, you know, they went and uh, it, those words 
are a seed. And so when doctors sit here and they tell you the worst, and I know it's their job to tell you, this is probably, we're just going to say we're going to rule out all those things, but it could be. I'm like, why don't they wait and do the blood work and quit scaring these moms and dads and putting fear in their minds and just say, we don't know what it is, but we're going to take the blood work and we're not going to say anything until we know what's, what it is. Seems easy to me, and maybe that's where we need to step up and say, listen, I don't want to hear any negatives. I want, I want to know exactly what, what the pathology report is or what the blood work is before you even tell me anything negative that I have because I'm claiming my healing from my God. So don't speak that into my life. I don't want fear to come in. And so that's how the enemy does. He would have come in, and I know where Sarah's at because she does have a lot of anxiety, she was like frozen like oh my goodness could my child have cancer Ryan's like no she doesn't and you know they kept coming in and they didn't know what was wrong they were, they're, they're like i don't know why her bilirubin is so low we, we we don't know we can't explain it and so um they ended up going ahead and uh doing a blood transfusion um they Ryan wanted them to use his blood, but of course they said that would take time and screening and all this other stuff. So they ended up giving her blood transfusion. They prayed over that transfusion and said, God, let, let, this, let this be pure blood, you know, because they, th even then they said, well, you know, just letting you know, you got to sign these papers. It could have HIV. It could have all this other stuff. And you're like, oh my goodness, once again. I just feel for these parents, you know, because they got to tell you the worst of everything, you know, and Ryan's like, I don't want her to get HIV and like, just pray over the blood, pray over the blood. We renounce every negative thing spoken that could happen. And God, we know that this blood is, is covered by your blood and it's pure and it's going to cleanse and it's going to do the work that it needs to do in her body. And then of course they come back and her bilirubin went up to nine. They said, we still don't know why she, you know, got anemic. We, had, we don't understand it. But they said, uh, then they said, every test came back. There's no cancer. There's no leukemia. There's none of the negative bad things that they feared would happen to her. And it all came back negative. So she's a healthy little girl. They just don't know why it dropped. Again, we, we may not know. But it's like, okay, God. What are you teaching us through these situations? What are you teaching me? And I'll tell you what, my son, his faith, he's like, he goes, you know what? I've been through this with Lakin. When he was born, he had the cord wrapped around his neck. They had to do emergency C-section because his heartbeat dropped. And basically the nurse had her hand inside of Sarah trying to keep the cord from him moving because the cord was going to kill him. Same thing with Hadley, with her, um, I think it's encephalitis or something like this in her head. Um, they, in her womb, they said, she's got Down syndrome. She's probably not going to have any motor skills. She's not going to be able to do all the things that a normal child. It's like, don't you speak that over us. And Ryan, I'm telling you what, he's like, no. She's going to be healthy. She's going to be whole. And I mean, we began to speak 
the word of God and who he has created her to be. And she's a healthy little girl except for the fluid in her brain. And, and I've been praying. I said, God, even with everything that happened with Hadley, I said, you're even taking care of this. And it won't be a surprise that it, even though she had to walk through this, that took care of this. And I'm like, God, nothing is impossible with you. Nothing is impossible with you. So with me, I'm going to keep it real. And I know most of you know, because um, when I, I would email Patty, I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to keep it real with everybody of exactly how I'm feeling when I was going through all of my pain. And there were many nights that I cried out to God. I was in tears from the pain. I was hurting so bad. Uh, when Tracy was here, there was one night. <clears throat> it hit me so bad. I just... I just I couldn't move I was frozen and Tracy came out and just hugged me and prayed with me and then the day that she was feeling bad I prayed with her and I and we both held each other and we we're like we're a mess aren't we <laughs> and, and I'm like but it's okay you know it, it's all right and I said you know God God knew when you came down that I needed you and you needed me and I said we're going through this together I said, I have my head, my head issues, but you have your head issues. But guess what? God is going to heal us. And we got to stand and, and believe for healing. And he's going to do it. I said, Tracy, he's going to do it. He loves us too much not to, to answer our prayers. He wants us healed. And so, you know, we encouraged each, each other so much. But I know during the, the worst times of pain that I had, I would always... I would end up holding my head, and I would just cry out to Jesus. You know, and then <clears throat> Barry would come by and goes, why are you holding your head? I'm like, just go away. Because <laughs> he's like, well, if you hold your head, it's probably making it worse. It's like, no, I'm laying hands on my, I couldn't talk to him, but I'm laying hands on my, my ailment. I'm praying. I'm praying for Jesus on the inside. <laughs> it's like, just, just go away. Just go away. <laughs> but he didn't understand but it was it was like but i was acknowledging jesus with me because i was like jesus you you got to take this away you got to take this pain and at that point i began to just see the crown of thorns that you know was being placed upon his head and at that moment it's like okay i understand the pain you must be going through because that hurts i said the pain and the agony that he felt and at that moment i said okay god you did it on the cross for me, so I don't have to. I don't have to carry this anymore. I don't have to bear this pain because you bore it for me. And so, I just felt an overwhelming presence every time. I knew the Lord was with me. He didn't leave me. He didn't forsake me. And my favorite scripture always came to my mind, and that's in Hebrews thirteen five. And I love it out of the Amplified. It's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. At my sister Deanna's wedding, she had a Bible opened up, and she said, highlight your favorite verse. And so, I, so everybody that was there highlighted their favorite verse. And it says, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake nor let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. 
And I tell you what, there was many times toward the end, because like I said, I've been three days with no pain. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I, I felt led to just stop what I was doing at five o'clock. And it was like, Jana, slow down. <laughs> Jana, slow down. That's a hard thing. And so just slow down and just sit on the couch. And so I found um, Joseph Prince. So he's got eight hours of healing scriptures. And so I sat down on my couch. I always slept on my left side, not my right side. And I would sit there and I would put my phone right next to my ear and I would fall asleep just listening and meditating on those scriptures. And by the time I would get up to go to the bathroom, they were still reading it. And at one point, that scripture, he was saying that to me. And I was like, yes. And so then I just laid down, I laid back down on my head with the scriptures still ringing in my ear all night long. And I was thanking God because I said, God, your word is alive. Your word is truth. Your word is what I'm standing on. It's your promise. What you said in your word to me, I'm receiving it right now. And I'm not going to let the enemy steal that from me. If I have to play it all night long in my ear, that's what I'm going to do. And so that's what I did. <laughs> but through the waiting, I realized the importance of my faith. Because I had to recognize the fear that was coming in because the pain that I was having, it would always come between 7 and 9 o'clock. It usually would always hit me at 7. So from 7 to 8, I would have intense pain, shocks, give or take a minute or two, reprieve. And then from 8 to 9, it would just be a dead dullness, like I have a really bad headache. And so... I would sit there and I would, it'd be like five o'clock, six o'clock, and I was always checking my watch, preparing myself for the pain that was coming. And I would even go, I'm going to go take an, uh, my 800 ibuprofen because I'm getting ready for this. Because I, I, when, when you get hit with pain, you get to the place where you will do anything. And I tell you what, I've got a understanding of people that are addicted to the medicine and painkillers and things like that. Because when you're in pain, you're just wanting that thing to stop. Because it's so intense. And what they said with what I have, they call it the suicide disease. Because sometimes medication doesn't help. And so people just to get rid of the pain, they'll kill themselves because it's that intense. Uh, they said it's probably the worst pain anybody can really have. And I did tell Barry, I said, I would gladly have 12 children come out of my vagina <laughs> than to deal with this. I said, birth was so much easier than what the pain that I'm feeling here. <laughs> I know, well, I may have to take that vagina <laughs> out of that recording. Edit that out of there. Sorry, Daniel. Um, so anyway, but but my but fear, fear started gripping me, and it was like, Janice, why are you anticipating this? Even though I felt like, well, that's the reality of what's going to happen. 
I had to, I had to take myself back and say, okay, God, I, I am sorry. I repent from this because if I'm if I'm wanting my healing, my expect my expectation should be healing, not the pain that I'm going to experience in the next hour. And so, I just had to remember God is the one that runs my timeline. And so I would lay down on the couch. I shut off my phone. I'm not looking at it. And I would just begin to pray in the spirit. I'll tell you what. You got to do that. And that's my, that's my third point. So I'm, I'll kind of wait on that. Um, but, but, but the thing that you're going through too, you've you got to remember too, all the songs that we sing, we got to speak to the mountain. So I was speaking to my mountain <laughs> And I was saying, you know, by the blood of Jesus, and I was laying hands on my, my, my blood vessel, my nerve, and I said, listen, God created you whole. He, he didn't create you to, to be acting up. And so you, by the power and authority of Jesus, you need to, to go back into place. You need to be more viable and, and, and be created and do what you, your whole purpose is. Your whole purpose is not to do what you're doing to me. And so I had to just really focus on God and, and, and say, God, okay, my faith is strong in you. It's in your might, not my might. I didn't have any strength, but he had to strengthen me. And so I even had to tell God, I am clothed with the armor of God, that helmet of salvation. Boy, did I pray that. I said, God, you're, you're my helmet of salvation. You are the helmet of my salvation. You are protecting my mind. You're protecting my my brain you're protecting everything you are a shield about me and the second thing that i realized too was the importance of prayer and our petition and even in fasting because i began fasting and i know other people have been fasting for me and man i really appreciate it um daniel 9 is basically they title that daniel's prayer and so Daniel's prayer during that time was for the restoration of the Jews who were uh, in captivity. And he's pleading on behalf of their sins and everything that they uh, committed because everything was in ruins and the 70 years were expiring. And so verse 21 in Daniel says, While I was still in prayer, Gabriel... The man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Chapter 10, verse 12 it says, your words are heard, and I have come in response to them. And we know during that time, the prince of Persia caused a 21 delay uh, for that uh, angel to come and give Daniel that visitation. It was only when Michael, the archangel, came to help that other angel in the heavenlies break through so that he could go to Daniel and give him that message. And so we know that there's an angelic realm. We know that there's always a spiritual battle that's going on because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the powers and the authorities of the dark world, those spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
And so we have to remember, we got to put the enemy in his place because you know what? God has given us all authority and the enemy is under our feet and he's defeated by the power and the blood of Jesus. Amen. The third thing is I realized the blessing <laughs> of perseverance. And you call it a blessing. It's a blessing of perseverance because perseverance <coughs> is a determination to endure, to keep believing, to keep trusting even when our circumstances do not change immediately. Romans 5, 3 and 4 reminds us that we are to rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. I know the thing that I always like to turn to is the music. It's the reading of the scriptures. Anything that I'm going through and and i'll tell you what i know that through everything when my focus stopped being on the what ifs and what can i do's things like that and my focus was completely on god and i said okay god i i, I repent for for seeking other sources i repent from doing all this my focus is completely on you I am after you and I know what you've already done in my body and I'm claiming it. It's mine. I don't care what the little triggers are. I don't care that they're affecting me. I know what the word of God says and the enemy is not going to keep using this to even distract me from the word of God because even when I was studying this lesson, I was still getting attacked and I would just say, enemy, Guess what? I'm still going to study the Word of God. Nothing is going to keep me from the Word of God. Nothing is going to distract me from what God has called me to do. I have a plan. I have a destiny to fulfill. There is an anointing of God upon my life. There is an anointing of God on each one of our lives. And we have to begin to recognize who we are. And we need to walk in what He has uh, called us to do. And to be that person that he has told us we are, and that's healed and whole. Um, I came across one song, um, just, I was searching uh, for, for just music to play, and I found this one by Travis Green, and, and it says, While I'm Waiting, that's the name of the song. I'm like, oh, that's, how ironic is that? When my, my lesson was Waiting on a Miracle, and it says, what my eyes can't see, I still believe everything spoken to me. There's no word that can come back void. I will trust the report of the Lord. God is not a man that he should lie. Every need he will supply. So I will wait. I will not be moved. I believe, I believe, and I will trust in you. While I'm waiting, I'm getting stronger. My faith is rising and I will run on. While I'm waiting, I'm lifted on wings as eagles. What my eyes can't see, I still believe everything spoken to me. I thought, that is a good song. So if you ever want to just go in there and listen to that. Uh, there's another song from Le uh, Lincoln Brewster. His is called While I Wait. And the words to his song is, Deep inside my heart, I know you've won. And I know you've overcome. And even in the dark, when I'm undone, I still believe it. 
I live by faith and not by sight. Sometimes miracles take time. While I wait, I will worship Lord. I will worship your name. While I wait, I will trust you, Lord. I'll trust you all the same. When I fall apart, you are my strength. Help me not to forget. Seeing every scar, you make me whole. You're my healer. You're faithful every day and your promises remained. Though I don't understand it, I will worship with my pain. You are God and you are worthy. You are with me all the way. And I'll tell you what, those sometimes when you're in the middle of something and you turn on that radio, there's a song that comes on and it just gets in your spirit. And I'll tell you what, that's how God helps us. When he wants to let us know that he's here and he's near us, there's a song that comes on and all of a sudden we feel the presence of God and it, it's just like him saying, this is for you. This song, this word of encouragement is for you. And I just appreciate it so much. Number four, I realized the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The things that are impossible with man is possible with God. Let the Holy Spirit pray. So I began to pray over my cells. I began to pray over my blood sugars. I began to pray over my body, my head, everything in operation. I prayed over Hadley that everything in her body would come in alignment with the word of God, that his healing blood would flow through her, and she would be healed. She would be restored. Her numbers would go up. And we saw that in, in one day from her numbers, just right, I think may have been two, uh, just the next day was rising. It was like 6.1 or 6.8 or something like that. And then before they checked out, it was 9. Because she woke up vomiting and they're like, oh no, let's check her. Let's check her blood. Let's see if she's going down. Again, negative. Let's see if her bilirubin now is low and the, the blood transfusion isn't, hasn't worked. It's not working. They came back and it was 9. They're like, never mind. You guys can go home. <laughs> Again, I'm telling you, they're just... Oh, those doctors, got to love them. But 1 Corinthians 4.14 says, He that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself, builds himself up. And we know that our spirit man is already there. But when we're, we're speaking in our heavenly language, I tell you what, it's putting our soul in alignment too. And it's putting our body in alignment. We're praying things, um, again, for ourselves. We're to edify uh, ourselves, especially if you're at home alone, because that's what you're doing. You're edifying. You're praying in, in an unknown tongue. And guess what? The enemy doesn't know what you're saying. And I'll tell you what, and when you're praying, you're praying the perfect will of God. I know sometimes it's good for our English, but you know what? Some prayers, God's prayers are better. We just pray in the Spirit. And so I began to, to do that because it strengthens you from the inside. It affects your soul. It affects your body. Um, you know, our fog in our mind. I was dealing with a lot of that because they, you know, prescribed me this gabapentin and it wasn't working. <laughs> I just said, it's not working. I'm still getting triggers. Well, take it two times a day. It's still not working. You know, so, so nothing was working for me. And then I started getting dizzy. I'm fog. I just... You know, Brianna could tell I was trying to talk, and I just, 
nothing was coming out and she goes is that your medication i said yeah it's a side effect it's just and i'm like oh lord help me i was having trouble before the medicine and now i'm worse you know sometimes with the fog but again you know you speak those things and you're like oh it's like okay no god you are i speak your words your word your word is not foggy you're gonna quicken your word to me you know you're gonna quicken it to my to my spirit but the word of god you know will begin to give us understanding and revelation uh, when we're speaking uh, in that heavenly language it's it's what he is it's our faith begins to be activated in such a powerful way and i don't know about you but i enter a place of rest i enter a place of peace and so when we um, enter that place of rest and peace there's an intimacy that begins to happen because then we're drawing close to him and I'll tell you what, that's when God begins to speak to me. He begins to speak a word. And, and so we need to get into that place. And there was one time when I was praying about everything, and, and I just said, okay, God, I, I, I'm going to you know, put, put the word of God in my, in my ears. And I'm like, Satan, you're not going to do this to me tonight. I refuse to allow these episodes to start. And so... I'm like, okay, I'm going to start praying in the Spirit. So I went to bed. It was about 7, and that's usually early for me, but I wanted to sleep through it. See how you are? You're like, maybe if I fall asleep, I won't be affected by it. See, you try to reason things out, and and that was just like, okay, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I said, okay, but I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to rest listening to the Scripture. And then I just began to, to speak in tongues, and I tell you what, I just, and all of a sudden I woke up and it was like nine something. And I was like, hey, I didn't have any pain. And it was great. And I'm like, okay, thank you, God. You know, and it, it was such a, a neat, powerful experience. And, and it was like, and I said, God, thank you for the, I, I said, God, I know that people are praying for me. Man, I felt it. I felt it that night. And even the next day, sometimes I'll, in the mornings, I might have a trigger. And I it was like, I haven't even had like a little quick trigger or anything. And then throughout the day, I got nothing. And I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for healing me. Thank you. Because again, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't have no pain. And I thank you. And that night, I'm like, okay, I'm going to lay down. So I lay down on the couch. I think it was more like 7.30, 8 o'clock. And I was like, okay. So I lay down, again, with the scriptures. I'm praying in the spirit. Again, woke up, no pain. So I've done, I've done that for three days. But I knew it was an important for me because I had to align my spirit and the will of God in my life and just speaking in those tongues and listening to the word of God it took me to a place that I was so drawn to him. And there was that intimacy with him. And I said, God, I am so one in you that there is nothing that the enemy can do to me. I am so free in you. And there's no pain that could enter into that rest and intimacy that I have with you. He can't touch me. He can't touch me when I'm sitting in the arms of Jesus. He can't touch me. And he didn't touch me. <laughs> thank, thank you, Jesus. But warfare is real. 
We war in the spirit. It's a weapon. God has given us that gift because he told the disciples to go. I have a gift for you. I want to give you something. And so they waited. <laughs> they waited. Again, waiting. And I tell you what, when God, when you wait upon the Lord, he's going to deposit something in you and on you. And we just have to trust him during this process. And that's what I am doing right now. I'm trusting him no matter what. I mean, they've said the worst things what could be happening in my body and I'm rejecting everything that they're speaking and so I said no my God is stronger he's bigger he's better than anything the enemy throws at me and I am empowered by God with the Holy Spirit living in me and he has empowered me to be strong and I am strong and I'm standing I'm not being swayed I'm not buckling under uh, fear I'm not going to have it in my life. I'm not in that place anymore like I was in the beginning because I was trying to figure out why this was happening. And again, when they so say these words to you, you're just, you know, it's like, no, I reject that. And so you have to do that because people will come into your life and say things and, and put that seed. It's a seed of, of negativity. It's a seed that you don't want to have rooted in here. Because then your belief system goes there. And then it's hard to undo that. And so don't even let it go. Let it be like an, an arrow. That word is an arrow and it just falls to the ground. And it doesn't take root in your, in your mind or in your life. So anything that he tries to throw our, our way, we, are, we have the armor of God. And we cannot allow that armor to be penetrated. And so we do need to clothe ourselves with that armor of God every morning, every mo moment of the day. I'm thanking God throughout the day. I said, God, thank you. There's no pain that I am protected by you. The enemy cannot penetrate your armor that I'm wearing. I am clothed in your righteousness and nothing can, can penetrate that. I put... We aren't in the National Guard. Many of you know what the National Guard is. They only work on the weekends. <laughs> they work for a few hours and then they leave. We're in a war. We're in a war. This is not a weekend thing. We are in a war every day of our life, a fight against the enemy that wants to try and bring us down and to affect our families. A lot of people are going through a lot of stuff. And I tell you what, he wants to discourage us. He wants us to to just give up. He, do, he doesn't want us to turn our faith to God. And so you and I are a part of that mighty army of God. And guess what? God's already told us the battle is his. And guess what? We've already won. We are victorious. And so we need to remind the enemy, you are defeated. We are de you are defeated. There is nothing that you can throw at us that is going to take root in my life. You're defeated. You're under my feet. And so as we begin walking our seasons and walking these long roads that we feel like we're on, because I know you had battle with everybody has, has gone through something within their body that, they've, they, that has affected them, and you're waiting for that healing. But we got to keep trusting God. we got to keep walking. we got to remember that, you know what, just like Jairus, Jesus is worth the wait. 
even though he had to wait, it was worth it. Because even though the, what the enemy would have wanted for, for that death to happen, and everybody around says, don't even bother him anymore. It's too late. Nothing is too late. God says, I'm going to resurrect this, this daughter of yours. I'm going to honor your prayer, Jairus. You asked me to come, and I'm going to come. Anybody that approached Jesus, he healed them all. He took the time, all the interruptions. And so you may feel like, God, I feel like I'm in a place where it's, I'm inter- it, something's interrupting my healing. It's, it's, I'm in this waiting. You got to trust him. You got to understand the process and the timing. Romans 8, 25 says, but we, if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. That's part of this. I said, I, I think I had to change it. So I'm like, you know what? All right, we'll just put a fall thing on it. So I turn it around now. <laughs> and so God has taught me. I, I am going to be patient. I'm going to wait upon him because you know what? He's going to renew my strength. He's, he's going to do far above anything that I could even ask. And so in the waiting, just ask God, what are you doing in me? And I've said this so many times. If I'm going through something, it's like, God, what are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to learn? You know, some, some people are just looking for miracles. They want to go to this place. Well, I know miracles is happening over here. Well, guess what? We really need to be looking for the miracle maker. Okay? Jesus. It's okay to go there, but you know what? Some people just are looking for the signs and the wonders. But they're, they forget about God. And so, during this waiting period, draw closer to him. His timing's perfect. He has unwavering love. We all face challenges, trials, moments, desperation in our life, but we've got to remember that God is a God of miracles. And they may not come the way we expect, but they're going to come. Remember, Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. So when our faith is tested, we got to remember it's also being refined. <laughs> and we got to remember that through this process, we're going to be witnesses to his miraculous power that's at work in our lives. He's faithful. He hears our prayers. And we have to position ourselves in a state of readiness and expectation so that we can be positioned to receive the miraculous miracles that he wants to do for us. So God is in our waiting He's shaping us, he's molding us, he's preparing us, and the miracle is on its way. So in this moment, we got to embrace the truth of God's word. We have to believe his word, his promises, stand strong in our faith, and believe that the miracle is already ours. I shared this on Sunday. Is it? Is it that late? Have I talked that long? 11. 11. Okay. We didn't change the clock back. I was like, whoa. Um, <clears throat> like, wow, did I talk that long? <clears throat> when I was um, in a terrible place one night, and this was the beginning of, of me really not having the pain. Uh, one night, it was really bad. And I, as I laid in bed and... Uh, 
just crying out to Jesus and just crying and, and just praying that he would take this pain away that I was having and whatever it was. And I woke up the next morning and I looked at my phone and I never get this email from these people with my name on it. I've never had that before. That was the first thing that I looked at and it said, and I'm telling you what, I was just like, okay, Lord, okay. I'm telling you what, he, he has been with me this whole time. It's just been amazing. But I woke up and it says, Dear Janice. I was like, okay, they know my name. And I know it probably has something to do with the email and everything, but they've never done this before with my name. But it says, Dear Janice, I know where you are. Do you think I don't see you and that I don't care? Do you think I'm numb to your pain? Your healing is what I'm after. Your healing is why I came. I want all of you, all of your heart, all of your mind. I have created you whole, and I will make you whole again, I promise. And I'll tell you what, I just, I just sat and cried. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God, that was your personal letter to me to tell me don't, don't give up. I am healing you, and I will make you whole again. I promise. The next night, I got another one in my email from a different person, and it says, In your suffering, you are not alone or forgotten. Rest your head on my chest. I do not delight in your pain. My desire is to bring healing and rest. I am your healer, and I'm healing you. And in my presence, you can align your thoughts with mine. Let me help you rest, the physical rest your body needs to heal. I've got you. I'm with you. I love you, and I will carry you, and I am not leaving your side. And I thought, that was good. Well, most Hebrews. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. Isaiah 43.2 says, when you pass through waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned, nor shall the flame kindle on you. Do not fear, for I am with you. I know throughout Scripture, that's what they always said, do not fear. That's the one weapon the enemy uses against us is fear. And so most of the time when I'm praying, I'm like, God, I am not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fear this I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow the enemy to use this in my life and I said I shut that door I shut the door of fear and you are not allowed to come in to this body so God is always there he's always there to speak into your life to let you know that you're not alone and he sees what you're going through he's faithful he's loving when you begin to speak and pray the Word of God and when you're speaking in that heavenly, heavenly language, remember, we're not using our words. We're using his words. Jeremiah 1.12 says, I will hasten my word to perform it. The New King James Version says, I'm ready to perform my word. And the NIV says, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. So you got three different versions. But it basically says, if I said it, I'm going to do it. And that's his promise of his word. So.
So that's really it. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I just, I know that um, God is so real. He's so, he, he wants us just to be in that place. And I'm, I'm reminded of Mary, you know, when Martha was so busy and Mary just chose to sit at his feet because she listened, she gleaned from what Jesus was saying. And when we get to that place, no matter what we're going through, we're going to have that peace. We're going to have a peace that passes every understanding. And I had to get to the place where it's like, God, I don't understand what's going on. I know that our family's being attacked, but I said, but God, you're doing something in us and through us with all this. And I remind the enemy, it's like, you know what? You messed with the wrong family. Because I said, we're not backing down. And I said, we're going on with our purpose and our calling and what God has fulfilled us to do. And nothing's going to stop us. Bring it on. Because the power of God's in us and you're going to be defeated. And we're going to slay you with the word of God. And we will not be defeated. And so we need to get to that place where we are so... Uh, minded with with the armor of God and be on that offensive and say I'm not going to be defenseless because our weapons he's given us so much in our arsenal to use against the enemy and I'll tell you what the battleground of this and the battleground with what we're going through with every situation if we just use that word of God and, and, and again tell you what just speaking in tongues over situation or praying his will I'll tell you what, it's tearing down, it's breaking down the strongholds in the heavenlies. It's breaking those things off that the enemy is trying to use against you and your family. It's a powerful weapon, and we don't use it enough. We don't use it enough in the church. And so prayers are great. It's great, but I want to pray the will of God. And I tell you what, and most of the time with prayers, he already knows it in, in my heart. He knows what I need. I just got to get to the place where I begin to walk and believe that it's already mine. So I can pray and say, God, heal me from this every day. It's God, heal me, heal me, heal me. I got to get to a place where I got to say, God, thank you for my healing. It's already mine. I don't have to keep praying for it. He already knows my heart. He already knows what I need. It's his desire to heal me. He doesn't want me sitting here going through all this. He doesn't want you guys going through all this. He wants to heal us. He wants to do that in our lives. And we got to acknowledge the work that he's doing in us because he's doing it. And that's what I keep saying. God, you're working. You're working in me. You're doing something in me. I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm getting through this. And I'm not getting through this because of Janice. I'm getting through this because of God, because I can't do it on my own. There is no way. And my total 100% reliance is upon him. And so that's where I'm at. And so um, I'll just pray and, and just say, God, I just thank you for the word. God, I thank you for God just allowing me to share uh, my testimony, God, of what I'm going through. And God, I know that even though tomorrow with this MRI, God, I'm going to have a greater testimony, God, of your goodness and your healing. God, that has taken place. God, thank you that, God, I have had no pain. And so, God, I, this, is just, this is just you saying, Janice, I've healed you. <laughs> 
God, I'm standing on your promise of your word and it's so that you will make me whole. And God, I thank you that you're making Sharon whole. God, everything that she's gone through, God. We are more than conquerors through you who love us because you gave your life for us, God. If there's anyone here that's going through a, through a terrible time, God, I just thank you that, God, you're in the midst of it. God, you've not abandoned us, abandoned them through the storm or the season that they're in, but God, you're walking with them. You're holding their hand. You're carrying them through this. That means we're going to get on the other side. It's not going to be forever, God. We're going through this with you. And God, you're taking us to uh, our destiny, our purpose, God. And we're not going to stay where we're at because, God, our reliance is upon you. It's your timing. And so, God, as we wait on you and your timing, God, I know that all things will work together for good. And, God, that your word, you will perform it, God. <laughs> when you spoke it, you will perform it. You are a man that does not lie. And so, God, every promise in the book is ours. And, God, we claim every word of God in that scripture, God, is ours. God, it brings life to our bones. God, it brings health to our bones. It brings health and, and wholeness to our families and salvation to our families. And God, we speak it over every person that belongs to this church in the name of Jesus. God, just continue to work in their lives. God, give them a visitation of your presence. And God, let, it, let them know who you are in them. God, let, let them draw closer to you, that intimacy with you. God, as they draw close to you, God, they'll be able to, to hear that personal love letter that you want to deposit up in their, in their life. And so, God, we just thank you for your presence today. Thank you for each one of these ladies. And, God, we just, again, we ask for a mighty outpouring. God, as my husband has been talking about the manifestation, God, of, of, of healing, God, we thank you. God, the timing in all of this, God, we claim and we declare the manifestation of our healing that's already ours, God. And we walk in the healing. You're doing it every day, God. We thank you for that. And we praise you and we bless you for who you are in us. Thank you for loving us and caring so much about us. In Jesus' name, amen.